Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We're ready to dive into a brand new series. Y'all excited for a new series today? Come on. Everybody say reply all. Say it again. Say reply all. That's what we're going to be talking about. And uh, what I love about this series is we put you all in the driver's seat. We said, hey, what, what do you want to hear about? What is it that you guys want to talk about? And um, that's, that's something that we get to, we, we did this a couple of years ago. I'm so glad we get to run it back and do it again. So these messages and all of the teaching, you're going to hear a lot of teaching because some of these subjects, if, if the only way you're going to get to um, hopefully get a response to your question is through teaching. You're going to hear a lot of teaching, but I really do hope this is life-giving. So here's what we're going to do. Normally I would read a scripture, but I have so many scriptures that I'm going to read to you. It's just baked in all throughout this message. I'm not going to lead with the scripture, but let's just take a moment and pray one more time as we get ready to hear the word of God, and then we're just going to dive in. We're going to take off running. Y'all ready for it? All right, do me a favor. Place your hand over your heart if you're able to, and let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, God, for this opportunity to now hear your word. Father, I just pray that you would give me eyes to see, ears to hear. May my spirit be open and receptive to what you want to say today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated. So let me talk a little bit more about this series. What I loved, and there was three things that really stood out at me as we decided to run this series back. Those three things that I loved about it. Number one, is it really gave me a chance to see where you're at because the questions that you asked gave me some insight into what's going on with you. It gave me some insight as to what's going on with the church. Where are you at? What do you want to know? What do you feel like you've not heard enough of? And what's beautiful about this is, and, and, and we, anytime you do this, it's, just, it's a bit dangerous as a church, you know what I mean, as a leadership to say, okay, you tell us because you don't know what you're going to get back. But there were four big topics that just kept coming back time and time again. So you want to know what that lets me know? That lets me know the Holy Spirit is just moving in our church. And you guys are united and we're, we're together in one accord. And that's awesome. I think that's great. Let's give God a round of applause for that. I do think that's great. When you just see these recurring themes, it's like, okay, we're all together on this. The second thing that I did is I took all of this stuff and because I am a nerd, I put it all in an Excel spreadsheet, all right? I put it on an Excel spreadsheet, I threw some filters on it, and then I put different tab dividers on it and I sent it off to the pastors and I shared it with them. I said, hey, look at, look at, look, look at what everybody wants to talk about. And then it gave the pastors, all of our pastors, as a matter of fact, let's just pause for the cause. Let's clap our hands for all of our Lighthouse pastors. It's not just my wife and I. There are six other couples at this church, and, um, and, and there are men and, and women in ministry, and, and they help us lead the church, and they're so concerned about the spiritual health of our church, and I honor God for them. But they were like, wow, this is cool, Pastor, and they had some good feedback for me, but I really wanted them to know what was going on with you all as well. And lastly, the third thing that I loved about this approach to this series is it confirms some things for me because... As I spend time in prayer and preparation and really trying to effectively lead you all and to, to be a good pastor, um, there, there's a lot of preparation on my end, but there's what I think you guys need to hear, and, and, and that was pretty cool, is that what I think this church really needs to be hearing 
um, through the word of God, it all came back in the form of your response. So I think that's pretty incredible too. I think that all of those things are going to together make for a great series. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is the Holy Spirit. Would y'all say that with me? Say the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about today. I don't have a fancy title for you because we're going to dive into this topic. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, here's one of the things I love about Lighthouse Church. What I love about Lighthouse Church, among so many other things, and some of you are like, God, they love their church. We do. We absolutely do love our church. But I love how so many people who are a part of Lighthouse Church now, you come from a different background. You come from a different religious background, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Does anyone else agree it's an incredible thing to see so many different backgrounds, religious experience represented here in the tent? So we got, yeah, yeah, give it up. We got people that have a Pentecostal background. Some of you don't even know what that is. That's your background. I love that. Some of you have a Catholic background, Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah's Witness, Calvary Chapel. I mean, we got it all represented under the tent today. We got it all represented under the tent today. And um, what's cool about that is that you get to see this unity that we've all come together and we said, you know, we're, we're going to plug into this church that is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing church. We are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, and Bible-preaching church. It all comes back to the scriptures. It's always going to come back to the scriptures. Now, the challenge with having so many people come from different backgrounds is this, is that our theology is informed by our experiences. So what we know about God, what we believe about church, what we think about the Bible, it all is informed or misinformed from our experiences. And, and, and here's what happens. The danger with some of that, and now that's not necessarily bad, but, but where it could be bad is when what we believe about the Bible and what we believe about God is only informed by what we were told. It is only informed by what we were told. You might be saying, Pastor, what exactly do you mean by that? What are you implying? I am implying that you believed what you were told not because you actually studied it for yourself. Not, Not because you thoughtfully sought out an answer for yourself. So sometimes you just believe what they told you. And now, now that's a great start. Faith comes by hearing, so we have to, we have to start somewhere. But at, as you grow in your walk with Christ, you ought to want to know the answers for yourself. You, you're going to want to know the Bible for yourself. You're going to want to know scriptures for yourself. You want to be able to stand in front of someone, and when they question you about your faith, your response is not, well, let me have you talk to my pastor. You, you want to be able to say, well, you know, this is what I believe in. This is the reason why. And it's from this scripture. It's from this passage in the Bible. And this is where we want to be. This is where we want to be. We, and, 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 um, and this is something that, you know, we teach a lot in the Bible college as well. We teach this in the Bible college. We have this saying. It's not in my notes, but you can write this down, okay? It's not in my notes, but you can write this down. It's not my job to tell you what to think. It's my job to teach you how to think when it comes to the Bible. Okay? It's not my job to tell you what to think. It's my job to teach you how to think. Because sometimes, sometimes people just rattle stuff off. Well, you know, Pastor, the Bible says, I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My pastor said, that's great, but it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And, and so we have to take a moment to inform ourselves. And so what I love about being a part of a, a spirit-filled Bible-believing, teaching, and preaching church, here's some things that I wrote down that you need to know about us, okay? No other book or organizational document is greater than the scriptures. 
Can I get a better amen on that? This is like, like there's no other additional pamphlet that we're going to put, you know, on equal or above the scriptures. Here's another thing. No tradition is greater than the scriptures. Sometimes things happen in church and it's a tradition. And I'm not saying traditions are bad. They're only bad when they directly go against the word of God. And you're wanting to do something that's founded in the word. But our tradition is... That's fine, but your tradition's not founded in scriptures. And so, so there's going to be no tradition greater than God's word. Here's another thing. We will go to the word of God time and time again for truth and how we should apply it. Everybody say apply. Scripture needs to be applied to our life. Last one here. We will interpret the text the way, big one. This is a big one. Lean in. We will interpret the text the way it was intended, intended for the readers back then. How was this intended for the person it was addressed to? Then we're going to apply the scriptures into our context today. Because the Bible was written to people or people groups. Like like when Luke wrote to Theophilus, who was that letter intended for? Theophilus, not you. And even if your name is Theophilus, he's not exactly talking about you. (laughs) And when Paul wrote to the Colossian church, who's he talking to? The Colossian church. So, so what did that letter mean to the original reader? We want to go there. We, we got to get back to what the writer was trying to convey to the reader, pull out all of the truth and say, how do I apply that to 2022? Yeah. How do I apply that to my context today? How, how do I take that understanding what was going on back then? How do I apply? That's how we interpret the Bible. Here's something that I want you to write down. It's a sticky statement, okay? Sticky statement. Write this down, um, and let me explain it. The Bible was not written to me, but it is for me. The Bible was not written to me, but it is for me. And, and, and when you get that, you deposit that little nugget on the inside of you, that's going to change the way you read the Scripture. It should change the way that you approach the scriptures. And that is how we're going to approach the scriptures throughout this series. Does that sound good, everybody? All right, so let's talk about the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that I, and again, we had different questions off of a singular topic, and I'll address some of those smaller questions off of the singular topic through our teaching. But but this this is one that we get asked. When does somebody receive the Holy Spirit? At what point does somebody receive the Holy Spirit? Let me give you the answer, and then let's back into it. Here we go. The moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. The minute you said, Jesus, come into my heart, when you say, Jesus, I receive you into my life, That's the moment that you receive the Holy Spirit. Let me back into it. We we know that because in Deuteronomy 6.4, Deuteronomy 6.4, let's read this scripture together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, say it, one. So that, that, that is God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they are all one. So, so when you say, Jesus, come into my heart, because they all one, Jesus doesn't march his way into his heart, look over his shoulder and say, he won't talk into you, Holy Spirit. Stay there. Jesus doesn't come in and look at the Holy Spirit and say, not you. He said, Jesus, I'm coming in. You stay out there. No, this is the thing. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all one. And a lot of us hold that profession. And because they are one, when you say Jesus come in, well, guess what? He brings company. 
He doesn't come alone. When you say, Jesus, come in, guess who also is coming with him into your heart? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming into your heart in that moment as well. This is what is called the Hebrew Shema. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Hebrew Shema. It is the Jewish profession, the Jewish confession of faith. And we see this early on in the Bible, and it sets a tone that God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all one. So when you say yes to Jesus, they are all coming together. And if you're wondering, does this play out in the New Testament? Let's read Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul writes to the church, and he says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's talking about him, Jesus. In Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. God and the Holy Spirit is all in bodily form in Jesus. Paul, to say, Paul, Paul writes that down and lets them know. And so when you say yes to Jesus, and we make these moments at the end of all of our services for people to receive Christ, when you say yes to Jesus... All of the uh, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, they are all making their way into your heart. Because here's the deal. You cannot separate the Godhead. You cannot, you can't say yes to Jesus and no to the Holy Spirit. You can't say yes to God and you can't say yes to God and no to Jesus. That's not the way it works. They are all one. And throughout Jesus' life on earth, he, he continued to tell people, listen, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because me and my Father, we are one. He declared this over and over again. And then he would then later talk about, and I got some more scriptures for us, but then later he would say, and then, and then you are going to receive me. My spirit is going to come into your heart. And so time and time again, Jesus would make this statement that we're all one. We're all one. And, and when you say yes to Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes in and takes residence inside of your heart right at that moment. Right at that moment. Now, now when you get your stuff together, not when, you, not, when you, not when you get every I dotted and every T crossed in your life. Because here's the deal. If you can do all that stuff all by yourself, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The reason the Holy Spirit comes into your life when you say yes to Jesus is because, let's talk about that, because he's going to help you to get there. So let's look at some of those scriptures. Let's get to John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, because this is what happens when you, when you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. It says this, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. We'll unpack more in a minute. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Everybody say in you. Jesus gives us three descriptors of the Holy Spirit in this passage. He's saying, number one, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. Number two, the Holy Spirit cannot be seen. And number three, the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. Now let's fast forward to verse 26 of the same chapter, John 14. And Jesus says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit. So now the advocate and the Holy Spirit, he's, he's clarifying one and the same, one and the same here, okay? whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus now names the advocate as the Holy Spirit. Write this down. And he explains that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. This is why when someone makes a profession of faith, I'll even say, you don't have to understand everything. Because many of you are like, I want to receive Jesus, but I got a whole lot of questions. What do you think the Holy Spirit's going to do? The Holy Spirit is going to come into your life and help you to understand those things. 
You're not on your own. You're not on an island. The Holy Spirit's going to come in and begin to help you navigate through some of this stuff. Let's read another scripture in John 16, 13. Jesus, again, talking about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He, the Holy Spirit, will only speak what he hears from the Father, and he will tell you what is to come. Write this down. Jesus reiterates the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. He guides us into all truth. He guides us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit teaches teaches us all things, and he guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit begins to work in people's lives when they don't even understand it all. I love that. I love that. The Holy Spirit will come into your life. When you say yes to Christ, all of a sudden your appetite for things that you watch begins to change. All of a sudden, the appetite for things you want to consume, we talked about this, all of a sudden, your appetite changes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is starting to guide you. The Holy Spirit is teaching you. The Holy Spirit is navigating you on this newfound journey of faith. You're not alone. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're not alone. You're not alone. So the Holy Spirit comes, and he begins to guide us into truth. Now, I'm going to just take a, we're going to take a moment, we're going to pause for the cause and acknowledge. How many of you, raise your hands, have you have said yes to Jesus? He is your Lord and Savior. Okay, here's what you need to know. The Holy Spirit is actively working in your life right now. Like right now, the Holy Spirit is actively working in your life. And what you need to do is be aware of it. Everybody say aware. So when you pray in the morning, and I hope you are praying every morning, but when you pray in the morning, you should say something like, Father, help me to be aware of what your spirit is doing in my life today. Because he's actively working. He's, he's bringing people. You'll never know the person that you meet at the coffee shop if it's the Holy Spirit bringing that person into your life so that you can begin to do life with that person. So, so you have to ask, say, Father, make me aware of what your Holy Spirit is doing in my life. I, I open up myself, and I want to be aware. Everybody say it again. Say aware. Because so many times we're just unaware. God is sovereign, and he is working. And the problem is, if you are just sleepwalking through, through your life of discipleship, you'll miss when the Holy Spirit is trying to do something in your life. But how many of you love it when the Holy Spirit just works? It just, it just works. It just works. Just the other day, I was reading my Bible. I, I got some slack from some of my good, my good friends. How many of you got those good friends that make fun of you? You know what I'm talking about? Like, and it's okay. It's just like, all right, we're, we're fine. Well, I, I was reading the Proverbs, and I was reading that proverb where it says, where the, when there's no ox in the manger, the manger is clean. And, and that seems like a weird scripture. It's like, yeah. When there's no ox in the manger, the manger is clean. But then it says, but the harvest, um, but then it goes on to say that, um, and I don't paraphrase because I didn't quite memorize it, but it says the harvest is the fruit of the labor. And so what it's saying is, listen, it's easy to have a nice and tidy life when you ain't doing nothing. But the minute you start doing something, it gets messy. How many of you experienced that before? You start doing stuff for God and you're like, hey, wait a second. Where all these demons come from? Or whatever. I'm just like, it's like, where'd this mess come from? Well, you brought some ox into the manger. So guess what? It's going to be a mess. But, but that's how production happens. And I read that scripture and I, and I tweeted it and my buddy's like, man, you're going to the zoo in your Bible reading this morning. And then later that day, yeah, it's kind of funny. But then later that day, I'm, I'm, having, um, I'm having a meeting with another pastor. And what verse do you think he quotes to me? That same one. And it was almost like the Holy Spirit just like brought it all back into remembrance. Because again, it's not a common verse. Not your most quoted verse. Not the verse you wake up in the morning thinking you're going to read. Unless it's on your Bible reading plan. 
But I just had to, okay, Holy Spirit's working through this verse. Because I read it this morning. This pastor just confirmed it to me. He had no idea. And it's like, I have to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. Are you guys tracking with me so far? All right, so Holy Spirit comes to your life to guide you in truth. Holy Spirit comes into your life. He's navigating you, and so you have to be attentive. So that was talk about the baptism of the Spirit because that was the next question. It's like, when does someone receive the Holy Spirit, and what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So say that. Everybody say, baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's different than when someone receives the Holy Spirit. I'm going to make that statement. Let me back into it. It's different than when somebody receives the Holy Spirit because here's what John the Baptist said in Mark 1 verse 8. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the first time we see baptism and Holy Spirit brought together within the same context. And he's saying, there's somebody coming later who is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And just let me read you one more verse just so you don't think, yeah, but John was crazy. You can't trust anything he said. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Jesus now talking to his disciples. Jesus has already, he has already risen from the dead. He's resurrected. He's spending his last day with the disciples here on earth or one of the last days with the disciples. And he says to them on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So again, we're introduced to some new language, baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a different language. It's new language. And so many people ask, is is this one and the same? Are they the same experience? And, And I argue and I contend and I encourage you to study for yourself that they are not because they were both talking. John and Jesus were talking about something that was to come. This this is something that was in the future. Something was coming. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was coming. But if you go and look at the Old Testament, people had already received the Spirit of God. Let, let, let Let me point some out. So there was Joseph in Genesis 41. We read that he had the Spirit of God. Bezalel was moved by the Spirit of God. Joshua was filled by the Spirit of God. And again, I got scriptures and verses for those of you that want to go fact check all of this, okay? Gideon was filled with the Spirit of God. Samson was filled with the Spirit of God. Saul, David, all of these people in the Old Testament were filled with the Spirit of God. So when John and Jesus start saying, but the baptism is coming, this is new information. This is something different. It's not one and the same. When someone receives Christ into their life and the Holy Spirit comes into them, that is still different than when someone is baptized by the Holy Spirit. And it actually, you see this play out even closer with Jesus and his disciples. So when Jesus was walking on this earth with his 12 disciples, the 12 disciples didn't need to receive the Holy Spirit because Jesus was right there with them. And and, and Jesus is what? The fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, right? So the Holy Spirit is with them at all times, right? But yet, after Jesus was crucified, and now he's walking around on earth, he's resurrected. We, We know that he walked around on this earth for about 40 days. He's just hanging around, showing up, disappearing, showing up, disappearing. It's one of those things, Lighthouse, don't ask me for a lot of theology about it. It's one of those things we get to ask, those questions we get to ask when we get to heaven. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm often like, where'd you go? Like, when you disappeared, where'd you go? Like, like, did you go to Africa? Like, seriously. There's some people that say that. Some people believe there's religions out there that, that when he ascended, he went down to Africa, met with Ethiopians. And so, like, there's a lot of questions that I have, but I don't know. And it's a non-essential. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like it's non-essential. It doesn't affect my salvation. So, so anyway, all good things, all good questions. But Jesus now, because he was coming and going, now his disciples needed his Holy Spirit because he was no longer with them all the time. So let's read John chapter 20, verses 21 through 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit in that moment. He's still not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because back in, in Acts 1, he says, you still have to wait to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This isn't that just yet. So, so we have this passage of scripture where he, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. In that moment, they receive the Holy Spirit. But now let's analyze baptism of the Spirit. Y'all tracking with me so far? Yeah. Got a lot of teaching here today. Okay. Let's learn a little bit of Greek right now in the room. Baptize, baptize. Everybody say bapto. Bapto. Baptize comes from the Greek word bapto, which means to immerse or to submerge. That's why baptism for us at Lighthouse is not a sprinkling of water. You are getting dunked, right? Like, like you, are, you are going all the way in because we take this quite literally. We are going to immerse you. We are going to submerge you. You are going to be completely submerged underwater. Now, now Jesus tells his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, okay? Just read that verse a minute ago. Don't leave Jerusalem because I'm getting ready to baptize. I'm getting ready to immerse you in my Holy Spirit. That's a little different. You see, you see, because when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your heart. But when you are baptized, you are now submerged in the Holy Spirit. So it's not the water bottle that is filled with water bottle. It is sticking that water bottle into a bucket of water. And it is now submerged by the water. So when someone is baptized, everybody say baptized. It's no longer the Holy Spirit in you, but it's you in the Holy Spirit. You see the difference? You see the difference? It's no longer just the Holy Spirit in you, but it is you immersed in the Holy Spirit. And why does that matter? Why is that important? Let's read Acts 1 and 8 because there's a reason. Jesus said you're going to be baptized by the Spirit, and he explains why. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Write this down. The Holy Spirit gives us power to become better witnesses of Jesus. That's the point of the Holy Spirit. When you boil it all down, it's not to be spooky. It's not to have super spiritual services. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to make you a better witness of Jesus. That's what it all boils down to. You need to be so immersed in the Holy Spirit that when you speak, you speak with authority. When you witness about Jesus, there's some anointing on what you are saying. You are so immersed in the Holy Spirit that it allows you to be a better witness. Have you ever, sometimes some people tell me like, Pastor, I just don't know what to say. What you need to do is just get baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to help you give you what to say. It's going to teach you what to say. It's going to supernaturally speak through you. That's why we, we pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about how it happened because Jesus was talking about it. It's going to happen. Here's why you're going to get baptized. Well, let's talk about what happened on that day. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues 
as the Spirit enabled them. So, so let me break this down for just a moment. Jesus was crucified, and all of that happened during the Passover, right? That's all happened during the Passover here in Jerusalem. Now, what would happen is 50 days after the Passover, there was another feast. There was another party that the Jews threw. If you didn't know, the Jews liked their parties. So they're like, we're going to have a party 50 days after the Passover. Why? I don't know, because 50 is a good number. Let's have another party. So that, that's what's called the Feast of Pentecost, okay? And so what many Jews did is Jews that had scattered all around the world, they would come to Jerusalem, which was their hub, which was their home base. They would come to Jerusalem. That was their capital. And they would celebrate the Feast of the Passover. But many would stick around. They wouldn't go home. They stuck around for 50 days, and you thought it was crazy when your family stayed a little too long. They stayed for like 50 days. Some left and came back, but, but you know, some just stayed 50 days. And, and, and for those that stayed, Jesus is saying, don't leave yet, don't leave yet, because I'm going to baptize everybody with my Holy Spirit. And so what happens on the day of Pentecost is that miracle moment. That's when that miracle moment happens, and they are all baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they began to supernaturally speak in other languages Remember I said that the Holy Spirit gives you the power to be a better witness? Because all of these people from different parts of the world that spoke different languages descended into Jerusalem, the 120 that were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were all Galileans. They were all from Galilee, all right? And because they were from Galilee, they spoke that native language. They didn't speak some of the dialects that were from around the other parts of the world. But yet when people came in and say they were from Cyrene or Medes, they would come in and they were like, oh my God, look at all these people. They are all speaking. They are preaching the gospel in my tongue. Okay, what's that equivalent of? That is equivalent of you seeing someone who is as Mexican as Mexican can be and they are speaking Nigerian. You're like, wait in those, how, how? <laughs> what in the world, how? You ever had one of those moments where you're just kind of like, how? I'll never forget, I used to work at the bank Wells Fargo, and there was this Chinese businessman that was coming and was really struggling with his English, and he was, he was trying to communicate with the teller, and then finally he said, hablas espanol. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and this guy spoke perfect Spanish. It totally messed with my mind. Anyway, that's just on the side. But I imagine that's what it was like when they were like, all these people from all these different parts of the world seeing these Galileans speaking in their language. But why did that happen? Because Jesus said, I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. So in that moment, he supernaturally enabled them to speak in other languages so they can witness about Jesus. It was all for the glory of God. It was not for a show. It wasn't so someone can have an inflated ego. It wasn't so someone can walk around thinking that they were spiritual, spooky, or Jesus's first cousin. It was so that they could be a better witness of Jesus. That was the purpose of the power that was given on that day. Let's not forget that, Lighthouse Church. Let's not forget there's a reason for all of that. Now, if you're wondering, well, that was just for Acts chapter 2. There's actually more passages of Scripture. I'll give them to you. I'm not going to read them, but it happened in Acts 8.17, 9.17, uh, 10.44 through 46, and Acts 19 through 6. In each of those passages, we see the function of the Holy Spirit empowering believers to be better witnesses. So, so I'm going to start landing this plane. Today, we teach and preach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that we should still pursue. It's different than when someone receives the Holy Spirit, but it's definitely experience that we believe everybody should pursue. We believe that we live in a crazy and a dark world, and I don't know why you would want to do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. I need the help of the Holy Spirit every single day of my life. I don't want to do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. Some may say, I don't need that. That's a little spooky. I don't know if I really need to have that happen in my life. And I would just say, why would you not want to do it? Like, like, why would you try to live life 
without the power of the Holy Spirit. Why would you want a Christian experience? Why would you want to be a disciple of Jesus and not pursue this? Now, let me talk to all my Pentecostals in the room right now. Just because you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, it does not make you better than anyone else. It does not make you better than anyone else. I like this as a sticky statement. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Because there are some churches that don't believe this. And what I love is there's some people in this tent that are like, ah, I don't know about Pastor Josh. Pump the brakes. And I am so glad you are here. And I am so glad you are part of a church that's going to encourage you to search the scriptures for yourself. And here's an, another amazing part. Even if you don't agree with this teaching, you are welcome. You are loved. This is your home. You can be on the dream team. You can be a part of this church. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not essential. And I know some of you are like, oh, hey, hold on a second, Pastor, because we've not been taught that. It's absolutely essential to receive the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But, but I think what happens in many Pentecostal circles is we have placed such a priority on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and in speaking in other tongues. Listen to me. I'm going to make this statement. It is 100% true, okay? You are not saved because you speak in tongues. You are saved because Jesus died for your sins. We're saved. The minute you start, no, no, it's because I, then basically you're saying you need to add to what he did. It wasn't enough for him to die for me. I, I have to go and do this. Now I'm saved. And if no one else does this, you're not saved. And that's not our heart here at Lighthouse Church. That, that's not what we believe and teach. Should you pursue it? Absolutely. Yes. Yes and amen. Go and do it. Run it down. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I need the Holy Spirit to make me better. Not because I'm in competition with anyone else, but, but, but I need it for me. So while I went on that tangent, let me, let, I, I want to finish here. So let's talk about speaking in tongues. Because again, people ask the question, well, what about speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues is something that you saw accompanied when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see that happen time and time again. I don't believe that it is the only thing that happens when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do not put absolutes on God, especially when you're reading from the book of Acts, which is a descriptive text. That's a whole other teaching for another day. But, uh, but be careful anytime you say it must, it has to, because I know we like to put God in a box. But I learned a long time ago never to put God in a box, especially when it's your box. Especially when you build a box and you're like, God, get in. Because you really don't love God. You love what you think about God. And, and, and so you have to be careful with this, okay? So, but let's talk about tongues because I want to talk about it. And I want to teach and preach truth about tongues, okay? So Acts chapter 2, they began to speak in other tongues. And then if you go to Romans 8, everybody say Romans 8. Romans 8. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. I want you to deep dive on those passages of Scripture because Paul talks about speaking in other tongues. And do you want to know what Paul says about speaking in other tongues? Let's read it. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That's what Paul said. I'm just quoting the Bible. Okay, that's not Josh. That's Paul. Okay, Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. How many of y'all know that Paul had no shortage of self-esteem? I mean, this guy was so confident. And I love it. I'm here for it because this guy wrote over half of our New Testament. It's great. Like, like I need Paul's letters. But that's what Paul said. Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. If you want to know what Paul thought, that's what he thought. But listen to what he says next. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, 
But I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Let's reconcile these verses. You're like, wait a second, Pastor Josh. He said, I do it a whole lot. And then he says, I want every single one of you to do it. But then he introduces this whole thing about prophecy. Here's the deal. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and the church of Corinth was a hot mess. Bad. Bad. I mean, in, in, in the church of Corinth, you had sexual immorality, People just sleeping around in the church, okay? But then you also had people that were super spiritual and they were all in one big church together. Like, and, and so what Paul addresses in some chapters, he's like, hey, stop sleeping around, okay? That's what he says in one chapter. And it's, I'm in my Bible, okay, guys? I'm sorry for the PG-13, but, but like, like, I'm in my Bible. Paul's like, hey, knock it off. But then he also says, and when you guys get together in your prayer meetings, stop speaking in tongues to people's faces where they don't even understand what you are saying. So what happens is because we are flesh and what humans have a tendency to do, we take these great, beautiful gifts from God and we make a mess out of them. And that's what the church of Corinth did. God had given them a prayer language, the ability to speak in tongues, but rather than speak to someone in understanding, they would just walk right up to them and just start tongue salad, you know, just, just spewing it. And they were all confused. They're like, dude, what is this? And this is why Paul says, listen, you're out of order. Knock it off. But remember, this is the same Paul that said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. And so 1 Corinthians 14 is all about there's a right way to do this. There's a right way to do And this is the deal. The reason, you can start playing. I won't shut up. I'll just keep going. So the reason, the reason Paul is having this conversation is because they got it wrong. They, they, they were doing it wrong. And a lot of churches just shut it all down. Like, we're just not going to do it. Y'all don't know what to do. You're just doing it wrong. We're not going to have a repeat of Corinth, all right? We're just not going to do it. The problem with that theology is you've now thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Rather than teach order, rather than teach how things should be done, you're like, we're just not going to do it. But I'm going to quote a friend of mine. He says this, I'd rather deal with a little bit of wildfire than have no fire in our services. Because it's important that we feel the presence of God in our services. So I'd rather deal with a little bit of wildfire and talk to some people and clean some things up and teach and educate than say, no, that's not welcome in this service. We're going to do three We're going to do three songs and the offering and we're going to get to the message and the Holy Spirit's not, not going to move. We're not going to do that. And, and listen, I'd rather deal with a little bit of wildfire than have no fire inside of our services. Because the Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of the enemy. And this is the last thing. This is the last thing that Paul says. Again, for those that are like, but I don't know. I don't think I want to do that. This is what Paul says as he ends 1 Corinthians 14. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So he said, don't forbid it. That's why, I, that's why my theology is like, don't forbid it. But please do it in order. And I think I've been a part of some churches where it's just been done wrong. And it hurt some people. And it confused people. And that's why we got to do it right. And this is why we go to the scriptures and we teach and preach. And thank you for all the people that said, can we talk about it? And I hope this brings you some clarity. And if you have a differing opinion, we can have a conversation about that. But this ain't something that we're going to break fellowship over. This ain't something that we're going to fight over. This isn't something that we're going to leave over. I, Pastor theology. I'm going to start a church in my garage. You're all welcome to come. No, no, no. Like We're not dividing over this stuff. We're not going to divide over this stuff. It's a non-essential. It's a non-essential. Is it something you should experience? Absolutely. Is it something you should pursue? Absolutely. 
But if it doesn't happen to you, I remember there was a gentleman at our church, South Campus. Seriously, I'm not, not as a joke, South Campus. And someone in earnest tried to tell him, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life because he had not yet spoken in tongues. And broken, he comes to the leadership of the church and he said, you know, before I received Jesus into my life, I was cheating on my wife. Before I received Jesus into my life, I had a temper. I, I was a brawler. I was an alcoholic. I mean, I, every, the, I, every other word was a cuss word. And none of that is present in my life anymore. But I'm being told I don't have the Holy Spirit because I don't speak in tongues. Like, like look at all of this that has happened. That's the Holy Spirit. I couldn't do that without God. There's no way I'd be here today if it wasn't the Holy Spirit convicting me from cheating on my wife, convicting me from getting drunk, convicting me from part, convicting me. And so what happens is some people will say something that's not scripturally correct, and we've got to clean up some hurt. And, and, and we had to pray with him and teach him. And again, I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. But I think we've, I think we've done a lot to hurt some people. But then we think we've done a lot that has hurt some people. But again, church, I, I, I want you to know. Come on up, man. I'm closing with this. I want you to know. Our desire for you is that not only have you received Christ, not only have you received the Holy Spirit, but that you would be baptized in those Holy Spirit. Do you want to know why? Imagine you drive a Ferrari. How many would love to drive a Ferrari? Maybe not with gas prices the way they are, but just like the Ferrari. Like, woo That is a fast car, right? It can go from zero to 60, three seconds. You know, it's like fast vehicle. What happens if you let the air out of the tires? Does that Ferrari go as fast? Are you going to get to zero to 60 when you let the air out of the tires? Absolutely not. And, and in the same way, I believe that when we miss out on this opportunity to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, we're taking some of the air out of our tires. And God wants for us to move at a pace in the kingdom of God, but you can only move at that pace when you have that air in your tires. That's an analogy. But do you want to know what the Greek word for spirit is? Pneuma, which means breath. So when God breathes into you, when you receive the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is breathed into you, you are baptized by Spirit. You're going to all of a sudden have this power that's going to allow you to run at the pace that I believe God has called you to run. You are going to operate under an anointing that I believe God has gifted you to operate in. There is a calling and a purpose on your life that you should not want to try and do without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Lighthouse Church, I love you and I want this for you. So let's take a moment and let's stand right now. We're going to go into some worship right now. But here's what I want you to do. Wherever you live on any of what I just talked about. If you're like, you know, I, 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 I have the Holy Spirit. I received Christ a long time ago. I'm baptized. I'm not sure that I've ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ask for it. Ask him for it. Just say, Father, I want you to baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Just ask for it. And, and I pray that we as a church, we would get real hungry for the things of God. I pray that we would get real hungry to go deeper in our walk with God. I pray that we would get really hungry and not put God in a box, not put any lids on him. And if some of you are just like, I just, I just need to study, Pastor. This was a lot. Then go home and study. But do, the, do me a favor. Just pray today that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you to truth. Amen? Come on, let's lift our hands all over this place. I want you praying. I'm going to pray over you, but I want you praying right now. Where, whatever it is you need. After everything that you've heard, what, what do you need the Holy Spirit to do in your life right now? What do you need the Holy Spirit to do inside of you right now? 
If you're saying, you know, I just want to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. All this stuff that Pastor Josh said, I, I just never experienced that. Ask for it. Just ask for it. But we're just going to let the Holy Spirit have his work today. We're going to let him do what he wants to do right now. Come on, let's lean in right now. Let's lean in right now. We're just going to let the word of God move right now. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit move right now. We're going to let God do what he wants to do in this place right now. But I just want you all asking, just asking, Father, what is it that you need from him? What is it that you need from him? Just ask him. Just ask him. We thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.